You're listening to the Deadly Uncle Podcast. A safe space for Deadly Uncle Conversations. All right, everybody. Next up, we have Blair. Super fan Magoo. This man is a wonderful guy that travels around, works with youth. He has the uh, Magoo crew, the dance troupe that is wonderful, high energy. And always spreading love wherever he goes, man. Yes. Let's go, Oilers. Let's go, Oilers. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people in Edmonton know who this next guest is and uh tell us a little bit about your friend here who's this who's this uh well this is my baby her name is miss miss puggy miss puggy she is eight years old and understands cree fluently what yeah (laughs) okay okay wait a minute so you're telling me that your dog is more cultural than i am (laughs) i I don't know cree so well in uh, the language speaking yes that she is, is more uh, more Cree than most uh, Cree people out there. That's amazing. Yeah, just understands it fluently. That's all I speak to her. That is amazing, and so you know full Cree. Yes. So introduce yourself to the to the to the crowd and and let us know who you are and where you're from and a little bit about your story growing up and and you know how you how you come to learn Cree. Okay, my name is Blair Gladue, also known as Mister Magoo with the Magoo Crew Entertainment and also known as Superfan Magoo with the Edmonton Oilers. I was born and raised in Collin Lake, Alberta. That is just two hours north of Edmonton. My grandparents raised me there. I was um, born to trap, fish, hunt, do chores, understand and speak our language. I didn't speak English until I was five years old, until I first started going to school. Wow. So Cree was, uh, Your first that, language. that was my first language. And uh, my grandparents, I owe to this day. They're both gone, rest in peace. But I still think about them every day. And I owe so much gratitude and thankfulness for my wisdom and stuff now that I have nowadays. Mm-hmm. So I was born and raised in Calling Lake, but also I lived in Wabasca, Alberta. So I have family in both uh, Calling Lake and Wabasca. Um, my grandparents passed away when I was a teenager. I moved back to Edmonton. That's where my mom lived. So I never lived the city life. And then I was kind of uh, moving in with my mom was a total culture shock. Mm-hmm. Cause growing up in the bush, right? Yeah. You and your mom lived in the city. Yeah. 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 She grew up in the city. Wow. And, um, uh, so growing up in the city here and then my mom used to abuse me when I was young. Like mm-hmm. I went through a lot of, a lot of physical abuse mental abuse from her but uh and then uh, I ran away from home when I was just a teenager I, I ran away from home and I was on the streets of Edmonton fending for myself and um I didn't turn to no drugs or alcohol but uh crime and just trying to live uh live the streets of Edmonton you know mm-hmm. trying to adapt and trying to so, survive trying to survive exactly yeah. and um it was tough. It is absolute. It was absolutely tough, and uh, I think about it to this day. I'm so glad to s- still be alive after all the stuff I went through. When you were going through that, was there any um, boys programming or anything available for Indigenous men at that time, or boys? Nothing. Nothing at all. 
there was available for nothing, nothing like how they have it nowadays. Yeah, and uh, we were just on the streets, just trying to survive. So then after that, um, I started getting into uh, pool. Because mm. I was on the streets of Edmonton. One day I walked into a pool hall, and um, it was a 24-hour pool hall. So that was my safe place to hang out. Okay. And all of a sudden I picked up a cue and started playing, and then the house pros, they started teaching me the game, the proper game. So by this time, for the for a couple of years while I was a teenager, I just learned from all the pros. Wow. Yeah, and then when I was 19 years old, they sponsored me in a big tournament. So I went to a Mardi Gras Open tournament in BC. <laughs> Out of 128 players from all over the world, I came 16th. I was the youngest player. I won Rookie of the Year, and you know that set me off to start playing pool. And wow. got, got me off the streets. And it was a positive thing. Positive thing. So can you tell me how in the world, like being on, on the streets and that, how did you stay away from drugs and alcohol? It was, uh, it was, it was hard. It was so hard. But uh, growing up on the reserve and seeing all the alcohol, because mm -hmm. I lived with my grandparents, but just down the road was my friend's place and their parents drank seven days a week, mm. every day. So I would see all kinds of stuff that they went through. Mm -hmm. And um, and I seen what alcohol did to people and how it changed the way they were. Yeah, from like from day. just one friendly yeah. person and, and, and then all of a sudden into a monster. Yeah, yeah a totally different person. Yeah. So that right there kind of scared me to not ever drink. Mm -hmm. And then when I was in Edmonton, you see it everywhere, and then the drugs came out. So then the drugs came out in Edmonton. And we're not talking no, pot. No, we're not talking pot. We're, we're talking, talking drugs, like drugs. Pot, cocaine, yeah. all of that stuff when it came out. Yeah. And um, I never did it, but I started uh, hanging out with that crowd mm -hmm. after when I was in my 20s. Yeah. And uh, I, I started hanging with the boys, and then I started selling. Started being on the streets, selling, yep. surviving, just surviving. Yeah, you know, and uh, I'm not proud of it, but I did it, mm -hmm. and I could still, to this day, talk about it and say, you know, I did it for a while, and then, uh, well, I sold it for a while, and then I straightened out, and I said the same for me. That's amazing. Almost got shot, almost got busted, like all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. When you're doing that kind of stuff, you, it's uh, it's a dangerous lifestyle. It is. It is. And even like being, and, and it makes it double more, in, uh, you know, dangerous being indigenous, you know, like myself, I was never involved with, with that type of stuff, yeah. but I definitely almost lost my life, you know, because of drinking, because I used to party, I used to drink, I used to smoke pot, I used to do all those things, and, uh, you know, I got stabbed five times at a party. You know, I almost lost my life at uh, in Regina, and it was to bury my my uncle, you know, who was murdered, you know, at a party, you know, and and what do we do as 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 young cousins at that time because we were so lost with our thinking and had no connection to our ceremonies and that that we we're gonna drink in in our in our uncle's honor, which was. Now we know, which was completely a disrespectful thing to do, and I think that's kind of why that stuff happened to me. But I ended up, 
I got stabbed five times at a party that night, and uh, I almost lost my life, and I was never involved in gangs or anything, it was just because I had the bottle in my hand, and I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, and the reason why that happened is because a girl got stabbed, and I was trying to defend her, and I ended up getting stabbed, so very, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's really hard to grow up as an indigenous young person, you know, through the party scene and through the drug scene. And it's just amazing to see that we're both still alive. That's right. That's right? exactly right. Man. We're here. We're, we're sober. We're doing things that are for the community now, you know. And like they say, everything's meant for a reason. Exactly. If we didn't go through all this stuff when we were younger, none of this stuff would be happening right now. We wouldn't be where we are today. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, just being here today, talking with you and getting to share our stories is, is absolutely beautiful. I think it's, it's time for Indigenous men to have a space to have these stories and to let the young ones out there know that might be on drugs, that might be on the streets, that might be lost right now that you can turn into something else, that every second of your life, every second is a chance to change it, right? That's right. Like if you have blood running through your veins, you can change your life, you know? And that's what we're here to express and we're here to have that safe, safe space. So tell me about, uh, you know, how you got into the Magoo crew and, uh, you know, tell us about your experience with your stage presence and all the this man does many 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 things like with that microphone and it's just you know and beyond so it's just amazing you know to see what you've done you know as well I mean we all go through our our heart growing up in our moments but it's it makes us who we are as adults I think you know yeah so in um, so I, I played pool for the first few years of my teenage life and then in my 20s I was still playing pool and then I was still traveling all across Canada I had a I had a manager pool manager that would set up all these matches that was my money making that was what I was doing then in my early 20s I started learning how to break dance all of a sudden like just out of the blue I seen these guys break dancing and I was like man I want to I want to learn how to do this so I got five different guys, different nationalities, five guys that taught me certain moves. And I learned those moves. I danced seven days a week. That's all I did. I stopped playing pool and just started dancing. Wow. <laughs> and then next thing you know, I was dancing. And I was going to dances everywhere. And then I'd throw my own moves in that I practiced and taught myself doing. And then I would go to dances and just rip people up on the dance floor. And then next thing you know, when I was 23 years old, I got a nickname. This group just gave me at, at a dance one time. They said, hey, we're gonna call you Mr. Magoo. And I'm like, what? Mr. Magoo? And I was like, oh, okay. So then right after that, the whole group started calling me Mr. Magoo and we'd go to dances and whatever. And then next thing you know, people would come up to me and be like, hey, what's your name? I'd be like, Mr. Magoo. And then it carried on, carried on from there. And then I was like, you know, I'm Mr. Magoo. I want to get a group together. I want to get a breakdance group together and travel all over performing, dancing, because this is my passion. This is what I love doing now. So then... Uh, That's amazing. 
I got a group together, I got the best dancers together, and I said, I'm Mr. Magoo, this is my crew, I'm gonna call it Magoo Crew. And then from there, that's how the Magoo Crew started, and just breakdance. For, for the first uh, 10, 15 years, all we did was breakdance. And then we stopped dancing. We stopped dancing, and then for a few years, we stopped the Magoo Crew. And then just a few years ago, back in 2016, we started the Magoo Crew again. And this was because of my wife. We were together for, for a couple of years. We've been together for nine years now. But for the first couple of years, she's like, after a couple of years we were together, she's like, why don't you start up the Magoo Crew again? And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, why don't you start up the Magoo Crew again? Because uh, I used to see you guys dance back in the day and everybody looked up to you guys and, you know, you should start the Magoo Crew again. So I thought to myself and then I was like, you know what? That's a great idea. But this time we're not just going to break dance. And this time we're not just going to go out there and, and just dance. We're going to, I'm going to put a, together a group, an entertainment group with all kinds of indigenous entertainment, hip-hop, modern, all of that stuff and put it together. And I'm going to call it the Magoo Crew Entertainment. And we're going to go around spreading positive messages. And now we do. And we have hoop dancing, traditional dancing, jigging, break dancing, singing, comedy, and motivational talks on bullying and beautiful. suicide awareness. That's beautiful. And that is, uh, that is the Magoo Crew Entertainment, and that's how we got started. And to where we are nowadays, and, and every community need, needs that. And yeah. they, they, we travel everywhere. Like We're constantly in different communities, spreading the love, respect, and talking about bullying, suicide awareness. Not only that, we're talking about our culture and the most important thing in our show is we, we talk about the elders. Mm. The elders, the reason why we wouldn't, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for the elders and they need to get the respect that they used to because mm -hmm. the elders don't, don't get as much respect as they, they, they used to back in the day. Yeah, yeah. And we need to spread that message. And That's beautiful. That is beautiful, man. Like to... And you know that's you're inspiring and and bringing so many, you know, different genres around and you know uh, uh, inspiring the communities that you go to to maybe dance and maybe perform or maybe you know try something with uh, you know entertainment or or talking on that mic even you know and that's amazing that's really amazing you know I. I, I went to Stanley Mission. I don't know if you've been, been yeah, there before. Been there. Yeah, yeah, beautiful place, and it was quite a while ago. And you know, it was probably about I'm gonna say 15 years ago that I went there, and there wasn't much with drumming there, you know. And I brought my drum, and I said, "Guys, I'm learning. I don't know any. I'm not a, I'm not a professional powwow drummer. Like I'm just learning too. But I have this drum here, and I'm gonna sing you a song, you know." And then the next, like they invited me the next year and there was a few kids with drums now, you know? And and it was like, it just spread it out more and more and more. And it's just, you know, it's amazing to get the chance to be able to do that, you know what I mean? And what you do, what you're doing is, is so important. And, you know, it's more than just, you know, I, I believe when we go to these communities, it really has nothing to do with fame how many likes you get on your posts or any of those things it has to do with inspiring that community and bringing people together through the arts and I think that you're you're definitely 
doing that. Thank you. And it's amazing to have you on this uh, podcast. And, you know, if there was anybody that was a deadly uncle, it would be Mr. McCrew and Mr. <laughs> Magoo. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Yeah, so when you went to that community and you did that, you inspired and motivated right there just from you talking about your story and saying, you know, I'm just learning, but here yeah. I am. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and those boys, yeah, that's... So when we go to communities and we perform, if we can go out there and perform for the youth, and there's a hundred youth there, we can't change overnight. But if we can change one, one youth out there, that makes a totally big difference. And there's so many youth and adults going through this nowadays where they are being bullied mm -hmm. in school. Online online, in their workplace, and so many have taken their lives. Yeah. And it's so sad to see, and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. Everybody should be treated equal. Everybody should be respected and loved, no matter who you are, where you come from, and uh, we need more love in this world, and, you know, this would be a better place if everybody spread love instead of negativity. Yes, yes, exactly. I totally agree, and, you know, that's why we're trying to you know, have this podcast for us to be able to celebrate the positivity of us. And we had our, our first promo come out today with our first group of men. And our idea was to get all of us laughing yeah. and smiling because, you know, the if you look at the history of, of Hollywood, it's all natives with straight faces, looking aggressive, looking mean. But that's not really who we are. When we get together... We're laughing way more than we're looking serious yeah. and stuff, right? So we want to, you know, um, show that, uh, you know, that that's just a, a one-sided track narrative, you know, with, with Hollywood and that we're actually smiling people, you know, that, that, that we love what we do, you know, and we're lucky and we're, you know, even when we had territories, we didn't own those pieces of land. We took care of that lad. Hopefully that lad would take care of us. That was our, our motto, right? Like, so, yeah, it's just amazing. And so tell me a little bit about your outfit here with the dog. You, uh, obviously, you know, tell me about how you got involved with the Edmonton Oilers. When did that all start for you? Like, Well, growing up, I was always an Oilers fan, like, from our, my household, growing up as a kid watching on um, black and white TV, watching the Oilers. And then I was just uh, a little Gretzky, guy. Eh? Yeah, I was just a little guy in the 80s. Yeah. In the 80s. And all I had was a little T-shirt. When the Oilers won the cup, I was on 118 Ave, standing on the corner with just a little tiny flag in my Oilers shirt. And man, that right there, watching the Stanley Cup drive by, watching the Oilers drive by, and all the fans pumped me up and even jacked me up even more. So then when I got older in 2006, I was always a crazy fan, but in 2006 I was on Gretzky Drive right outside the Coliseum there. That's what they called it, the Coliseum, the old building. On the street with big flag, jersey, and painted up, and all of a sudden, 2006, I got the nickname Superfan Magoo nice. from the papers. And that's how the Superfan Magoo started, and after like after that I was always decked out, painted up, going, had my own drum, pumping it up. And there was always also Crazy Dan, and that was the guy that would bang the drum at the old Coliseum, right? Yeah. He passed away, rest in peace, man, but he was awesome, man. And uh, that also pumped me up and motivated me to also 
be who I am today. And yeah. uh, Oiler fans out there, man, when you're an Oiler fan, you know, come to playoffs. It don't matter who you are. <laughs> it don't matter the color of your skin or, or yeah. anything, man. You're family. Mm -hmm. When you're an Oiler fan, you are family. And I get so much love from everybody out there, man. And they just say, keep doing what you're doing. So nowadays, now, I'm doing work with the Edmonton Oilers and I'm the super fan Magoo and man, I have my own drum, my own outfits and I'm always at the game pumping it up, passionate, 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 you know, like, yeah. and that's what it's all about and this here, right here, this is the super fan Pug, Miss Puggy, she's straight super fan it up. And, that's uh, beautiful. Medallions, I get so many that's medallions. That's huge, beaded. wow. This is huge and made by Joanne Pasquiat. She's, she's from Saddle Lake, Alberta, great beater. She's done wow. a few a few beats for me and I have my own uh, Let's Go Oilers super fan shirt. The Oilers actually sent me this jacket to my house. They sent wow. me different kind of stuff. And That's amazing. You know, every day I'm wearing Oilers, man. And, and I want to say thank you too for the gift here. Oh, yes. We'll be uh, getting uh, podcast hats made and we'll be sending them to all, all, all our guests. So nice. we'll definitely send you one when we get that that's amazing you know like it, it really goes to show you that you know also you know sports you know um entertaining arts all those things you know doesn't really have a color nope. when you're on that stage or when you're together in that crowd you know there's no really color that that makes you different because you're all together like you said as family and that's amazing man that is totally amazing you know um and so what do you got planned next? What Where are you going to be next for the Magoo crew? You must be getting pumped up now that the season and everything, man. So but I'm at the Oiler games as much as I can when whenever we're in town. But when we're not in town, we're traveling with the Magoo crew and we're heading to Saskatchewan here tomorrow, actually. And then uh, we'll be there. Then I'll be back Monday for the Oiler game. And then after that, we're in Saddle Lake, Alberta for Wednesday and then then we're in Manitoba and going to Ontario for the Magoo crew, and we'll just keep going and going, man. That's man, it. I'm so That's... I'm so lucky to have you in here today, and I just got one last uh, uh, thing that I want to talk to you about or bring up is, you know, um, as I'm traveling around, I started to do a documentary, and it's inspired a new documentary, um, and it's it's based on Indigenous people having a safe space to pray almost like uh, pond makers, but without the treatment center. You know, inside of our city limits, every major city, I think, deserves a space for Indigenous people to have their ceremonies, uh, to have their uh, sweats, to have an inside space, to have a kitchen, just exactly like pond makers, but without the treatment center, without being in treatment. I think it's time for uh, even us as Indigenous people to get out of the mentality thinking we need to go out into our land because this is our land. That's right. Right here in Edmonton, right there in Calgary, right there in Toronto, right there in Vancouver. We need a space for Indigenous people to pray. What do you think? That is absolutely amazing and every city and community you bring this bring this up to, I guarantee you it's going to be, it's going to it's going to go off. I think off it the started. Charts, man. It started. Man. I think it started. And, and seeing us indigenous people are rising and rising, and people are now knowing, you know, now knowing who we are, what we're all about. Mm -hmm. And uh, this will always be our land, brother. 
mm -hmm. always be our land and mm -hmm. uh, we'll protect it always like we do. Exactly. And like you were talking about earlier, laughter as indigenous people, man, laughter is medicine. And uh, Don Bernstick, man, he's out there traveling the world, man, and doing his laughter as medicine and healing our people as yes. well. Yes. Right? Yeah, man. So it's important. Yeah. yeah. I've learned a lot from that guy as well. Mm -hmm. And um, learned a lot from everybody. There's a lot of mentors out there, you know, indigenous mentors. You're one and, of them. Oh, thank you, brother. Thank you. And, you know, and even like on this show here, we're even celebrating just normal dads, like people that aren't in the in the limelight in any sort of way, just regular dads as well. So, because it's important to uh, celebrate them as well. You know, as we see our women, um, you know, getting into circles and healing themselves, we're, we're, as indigenous men, the hardest thing is how do we get a bunch of indigenous men together in the same room? It's It seems like, for indigenous women, they have the, uh, you know, the skirt making, the, the ribbon skirts, the talking stick circles. And so now, this is just the start of an idea of how we bring our indigenous men together through a podcast, safely at home. They can join, they can watch, they can find out about where you're going to be. There's men's programs here that I found out that are going on, put on by... Um, uh, programs here in in, uh, in Edmonton. We have a guest on that's talking about that. So, you know, we're we're trying to shed light on these programs that weren't there before. And if they they were there, we're trying to expose them. So, thank you so much for being on the show today, man. You are uh, inspiration. You and your wife that are doing wonderful things in the community as well as a team and you know a part and just continue doing what you're doing everybody is definitely watching and cheering you on and uh, thank you for bringing the, the guest in what a good guest you didn't even make hardly any noise buddy no she won't and wow. she won't get off me or move until like if I ask her to that's it wow and you have to ask her in Cree yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she does. I asked her if she wanted to go run around. She said, yeah. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for having me. And uh, for sure, not only is me and my wife doing stuff, but you and your wife. Thank you. Jo Joanna, my cousin Joanna. She's oh, yeah. absolutely amazing, too. It's and Lance Card now. Yes, yes. I'm going to try to have him on as well. That's what I was going to mention to you. We grew is up side by side. You need right a, next door. You need a drum. Like my drum and his drum. Yeah. The heartbeat drum with the Edmonton Oilers right in the middle. Imagine the heartbeat drum with the with the logo right in the middle of the heart. You know what I mean? That's what we need. We gotta get we gotta get that drum made before For real. We throughout the season. Walter Walter White. Wally 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 White? Wally White, yeah. Wally White. Wally White. Yes. He's the man who makes those. If you're watching this, Walter White, Wally White. Yeah. Hear that? I need a heartbeat drum with the Turtle Island logo, Oilers logo in the middle. And Super Fan Magoo will be pumping it up at the It'd game. It'd be like, I'm the heartbeat of, of the Edmonton yes. Oilers with the oh. heart. With the heart. What a great idea. That's happening, man. Boom. It's already happening. Dude, for real. I just. Woo! Yeah. Man. <laughs> Have a good one, everybody. Have a great day, everybody. It's my guy. Hi.
You're listening to the Deadly Uncle Podcast. A safe space for Deadly Uncle Conversations. 